This city is a dumb and blinded thing. A circus of beasts in wool hats and waistcoats. This city, well, they say you can trust the rats, at least. This city is the only home I've ever known. This city is a vapid and useless thing. But you can't really help it, can you? A window must be an eye and a mirror to satisfy the dandy and the voyeur both. A home is a stage for the dilettante and a refuge for the wallflower. A bartop, both the seat of romance and the last bastion of solitude. These foundations once again groan under the weight of all this desire. Well, such it is. And such it always shall be, but not here, not in the third component of the third act of Quinn's Mechanism. Continuation of yesterday's notes on provided materials. Today's date is... God, what even is today's date? Well, it doesn't matter. Not in here. I had thought one of the reference books I was given had been included erroneously. It is a treatise on the myth of Atlantis, which struck me as very out of place when compared to the other materials. I know now that I was mistaken. It is relevant, though only tangentially. One of the other volumes included here is a journal. As of yet, I have been unable to identify the author, but there's evidence to indicate that they may have been involved in the group responsible for the original binding of the Abextran tomes. Frustratingly, the journal does not include any information on the methods used to achieve the binding, but there is some discussion on the creation of the Claustra. Specifically, the author seems to have conflated Tambaga, the copper-gold alloy used to make the claustra, with orichalcum, a mythical material mentioned in Plato's Critias, hence the treatise on Atlantis mentioned above. If the group responsible for the creation of the claustra believed they were working with a material which could be considered inherently magical, that would certainly explain why they believed it would have the power to subdue the abextrin tomes, but not why or how the claustra actually functioned. It is my current theory that- Hard at work, are we, Harriet? Desmond? So what's this you're going on about? Oral calcum? Oracalcum. From oros, meaning mountain, and chalcos, meaning copper. In the Critias, Plato claims the Atlantean temple to Poseidon is decorated so extensively with oracalcum that it is described as flashing with red light. 
It is my current theory that this association with the ancient divine is to blame for later interpretations of orichalcum as being an inherently magical substance, something not present in the original text. <sighs> Furthermore, the Roman transliteration of orichalcum substituted the original meaning of mountain copper with the meaning of gold copper, so it is easy to see why my contemporaries might have come to the conclusion that tumbaga, an alloy of copper and gold commonly used for the creation of religious artifacts, May have been. Can I help you, Mr. Air? Oh, Harriet, you can't even help yourself. I beg your pardon. You know, if you stopped thinking about it so much, you might actually get somewhere with all this. Not that you will, mind. You can't help yourself from trying to tidy things up, can you? Desmond... While you're here, I was hoping- Oh, this'll be good. Hmm? I was hoping to take Miss Nolan up to the gardens. Being cooped up down here isn't doing her any good. Hmm. And speaking from experience, her willingness to cooperate tends to decline with her sense of captivity. A little fresh air would do her wonders. If anything happens, it's on your head. You know that. I do. Everyone is already a bit wound up. Why, between your little assistant sneaking around stealing books and that big Swede barging in and knocking around some of our initiates, we're at risk of looking inept. We can't have people thinking just anyone can come waltzing in and out here as they please, you know. <sighs> Not to mention your Kaiser. If the answer is no, then tell me no, Desmond. Don't waste my time. Did I say no? What? Like I said, it's your head, Harriet. If you'd like to bring Samantha up to the garden, you have my permission to do so. But remember, as long as the fourth volume persists, there is not a place in this world or any other you will ever be free. At any time, in any place, you might find yourself without a door. That's why August has been allowing you your trips to the garden. Hadn't you realised? I had. So, if anything were to happen with Samantha, I might just pull the plug on your sanity myself. No one could fault me if I did. August certainly wouldn't. I see. Do you? Do you? Pardon? Do you see, Desmond? <laughs> More than you'd ever realize, Harriet. And how are we doing today, Sandra? If you're going to do something, please just do it. Huh? Don't pretend to care about me. Don't pretend you care about my feelings. Just do whatever you're going to do and go away. <sighs> to tell you the truth, I did have something special in store for you today, but... 
I'm afraid my plans were foiled quite spectacularly. What? This is another trick. <sighs> were only. Did you know that I meant to bring you a real one this time and see if you saw it as the cookbook? Why? Would have been a marvellous experiment. Why would you do that? For science, Sandra. And personal curiosity. Oh, don't look so frantic. Like I told you, I have been thwarted in my intentions. Something's happened, you see. Wouldn't you like to know what? You're just trying to trick me again. Now, this is just between you and me, Sandra. Two of the books have gone. <laughs> August only noticed the one at the moment, so I can't conduct my experiment without his realising I don't already have the other in my possession. A pity, but what can you do? Gone? Like, gone missing? <laughs> and that's what August and the others think. You don't think they're missing. <laughs> don't I? In any case, I don't see why I should tell you what I think. You'll only accuse me of lying again. I won't. I want to know. Nobody tells me what's going on out there. Hmm. And you'd take my word for it? Me? The liar? I don't think you're a liar. <laughs> oh? Quite the change of tune you've had there. N no. No, you... You lie, but you're not a liar. Seems like a bit of a useless distinction. It's not. It's important. You're not a liar because you don't lie just to lie. Or you do, but not like that. There's a reason. The same reason you always get my name wrong. And what reason do you suppose that might be, Sandra? I don't know. But I know you'd tell me the truth if you thought it hurt me. Hmm. You know, she's not right about a lot, but she's right about you. Huh? You're a touch sharper than you really ought to be. Would have got you into trouble sooner or later. Frankly, you're a bit blessed having me as your minder. You'd have found yourself far worse off without me, I think. What happened to the books? They've gone. Like I said. What do you mean? What do you think I mean? Oh. You felt it, didn't you? Just a bit. 
I suppose you would know the feeling. You felt yours go, after all. What do you mean? Everyone feels it when one of them goes, but it's not really the sort of feeling one notices. Just a bit of a funny sensation, a spot of momentary vertigo, gone as quick as it's come. Desmond, what do you mean? This really has been a lovely little chat, Sandra, but without an experiment, what do you mean? there's not much What happened to, do, to the books? There? It appears to be functioning correctly now. If you're confident there's no risk of another malfunction of this kind, I'll ask that you bring the damaged reel to Grace and ask her to have a look at it for me. It's likely nothing more than a flaw in the tape, but still, I like her opinion on the matter. Allow me to apologize for the inconvenience, Quinn. Let's continue. You were about to tell me about your family's relationship to the Mays, I believe. They didn't have a relationship. The matriarch of the May family was a known patron of your parents' work. Surely that qualifies. Do you have a relationship with the farmer who grows the grain that forms the foundations of your bread? Do you have a relationship with the baker who baked it? Do you think you and I have a relationship, Professor Howard? If we don't, it's not for lack of trying on my part, Quinn. But I do see your point. You believe their interactions were purely transactional, then? Yes. I'm sure you're aware that Julianne May is a noted spiritualist. I believe the press used to call her the mother of the after-dinner seance, back when that sort of thing was still popular. I'm aware. Her seances were the subject of a lot of public interest at the time. There was a great deal of discussion regarding who was in attendance. Being given an invitation to someone's dinner party does not mean you have a relationship with them. So you admit your parents attended? Yes, frequently. But not as guests, as entertainment. Go on. They were experts in the field of occult medieval literature. She ran seances. What about that isn't clear to you, Professor? I'd like to hear your opinion on the matter. People like Madame May are easily bored. They're never happy having to repeat the same experience twice. Supporting my parents' work was a way to ensure she always had access to something new. Something unfamiliar and exciting. That's all it was. You say that like you yourself were in attendance. When I was 11 or 12, my parents started bringing me with them. It was my mother's choice. She said she wanted me to see the practical reenactment of historical ritual they were supposed to be doing. But even at that age, I could tell it was all theater. There was no belief in it. 
not the kind of belief that drives these things and makes them real. I think she was hoping I'd somehow ingratiate myself to the mayoress. Adeline attended her mother's seances. Not really. She was always there, but she wasn't... present. Hmm. You think she was there against her will? No. It's not that she was forced to attend. She was old enough at the time she could have chosen not to come. I don't know why she did. It was always very obvious to me that while Madame May and her guests didn't believe the right way, Miss May didn't believe at all. She was a skeptic. Something like that. How could you tell? What? You say you could tell she was a skeptic. How? It was obvious. Obvious how? I'd like you to explain, Gwen. It's just... It was obvious. When a person expects something, it's obvious. Even if you don't know what it is they expect. It's just as obvious when they don't expect anything at all. There's a weight to expectation. A heaviness. Madame May's seances were always... heavy. Everyone expected something to happen. Everyone was invested in something happening. It didn't matter what. All that mattered was that it would entertain them. That was always at the heart of it. But Miss May was weightless. She played the part. She seemed invested, but... She was weightless. Are you speaking literally or figuratively right now? Pardon? When you say you could feel the weight of expectation from those who attended Julianne May's seances, do you mean that literally or figuratively? Are you speaking in terms of perception or sensation? If that's something you have to ask, it's not something you can understand. If I don't ask, I'll certainly never understand. I am trying to understand, Quinn. Help me to understand. You can't. Why not? You don't feel it the same way. It doesn't mean the same thing to you. So it is a sensation. I can't make you understand, Professor. What exactly is it about this subject that you believe to be so utterly beyond the reach of my intellect? I'm not calling you stupid. That's not what I mean. It wouldn't be the first time you have levied such an accusation at me. What I mean is that even if I tried to explain, you wouldn't be capable of understanding. I believe I should be the judge of that. Fine. To understand what I'm talking about, you would need to care less about being thought of. 
I don't need to know you for it to be obvious to me that you want to be thought of. As a genius, a hero, a savior. Someone like you will only notice the weight of expectation when it isn't there, so you can't perceive it when it is. It's something you want. I'm not one to cast aspersions, Professor, but I'm not sure you could stand it if no one was thinking of you. I'm not like that. I think it's only natural to desire recognition for your work. Surely there's some part of you that desires that as well. No. No? Not at all. There's nothing you can think of that you would want to be known for. I don't want to be known. Hmm. Try thinking of it in more intimate terms, then. Expectation is the bedrock of any relationship, the foundation of trust. Even if what you want is to be thought of on your own terms, that is still a desire to be known. This is exactly what I meant. Pardon? I don't want to be known, Professor. I don't want to be thought of on my own terms. I don't want to be thought of at all. If every room and every corridor I entered for the rest of my life were empty, I would welcome the madness of that solitude. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be read and rewritten and read and rewritten according to the interpretations of others. I don't want to be bound into a folio of blood and skin and bone and put on a shelf for guests to peer up at and call well-behaved. If every shelf was empty, it still wouldn't be enough. Sometimes I think I could reach out and undo the bindings. Peel away the spine and cover to pick apart the stitching and expose the folds of paper leaves beneath. If I were to crawl between the fibers of the pulp and push them further from each other. And if a glue was once nothing more than dry starch and still water. Why can't it be again? Not now, Desmond. Sir? Excuse me, Quinn. What is it? I hope you have a good reason for interrupting me at such a pivotal moment in my research. I've come to check on the interloper, sir. That's part of my rounds. I told you I would be conducting an interview today. Pardon me, Professor, but no. You didn't. I... I... did. I must have. When? I'm... I I apologize, Desmond. It must have slipped my mind. I was sure I told you. It's no matter, sir. May I speak to them? It is a part of my duties. It won't take long. Do you have business with the interloper that you would consider to be of greater import than my own? 
No, sir. Then I don't see how the completion of duties I assigned to you entitles you to supersede me, Desmond. Yes, sir. You are dismissed. Yes, sir. Allow me to apologize once again for the interruption, Quinn. The day is destined to be rife with misfortune, it seems. Please continue. You were speaking on the subject of glue, I believe. Wheat paste. It's used in bookbinding. Ah. You are very well learned on that subject, I've noticed. So I'm told. Was it your parents who taught you? No. Not by design. Not by design? It wasn't what they wanted to teach me. And yet you learned nonetheless. How? You're so quick to make something mystical out of something perfectly mundane. One cannot teach on ancient books without also teaching on their bindings. Not when secrets may be hidden beneath the skin of the spine or scribbled in hidden folds held together by ancient linen threads. There's nothing fantastical in being forced to learn what you wish you were taught in the breast between teachings meaningless to you. I must confess, I find it strange that someone who takes such a powerful interest in the making of books professes such a strong desire to destroy them. Is there a difference? Pardon? Knowing how something is made has just as much use in unmaking as it does in making. I suppose that's true. You suppose a lot of things. Supposition is a necessary part of the process. Hmm. Despite your low expectations of me, Quinn, I believe I understand. You suppose you do. I had assumed the unique pressures of your upbringing must have played a pivotal role in the formation of your destructive tendencies, and I see I was correct to think so. The question, of course, has always been the manner in which this relates to your true nature as the emissary of Avextra. Professor, anything I am, I was made by this world and no other. I won't be deceived, Quen. I see you now. It's perfectly clear. You're the Herald of the Secret Keeper, an ambassador of primeval mystery. Your destruction, your reticence, even your inability to comprehend the written word. You represent the occlusion of knowledge. <laughs> um. I think I knew. Always. And I didn't. Do not interrupt! Huh. I won't be distracted by cheap tricks. From the moment she handed me that book, I think... I knew and knew I didn't know I was knowing. And that was why it chose me, and I chose being chosen. So you admit to your nature at last. I admit you know and have never known and have always presumed it could not be possible 
that you know nothing tangible or important about me, Professor Howard. It's too late to feign ignorance now, Quinn. I have seen you. Let's not waste time with pointless riddles. You have seen the mechanism of action and mistaken it for the mechanism and made what is simple profound. You have, as you have always done, as you are incapable of preventing yourself from doing, applied the weight of your presumptions to something beyond your understanding and decided that that which does not obey your definition is a deviation from the norm. The norm, as you have defined it. The truth, as you have codified it, does not allow retort. The mechanism. I know how it works. Who are you speaking to? What mechanism? It is. Are you referring to the claustra? Did you know? Who are you speaking to? Professor Howard, there's... What is it now? The girl. The obsessive from the library staff. She's gone. What 